I told you it was coming, and it is officially here, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump filing for appeal. Go into the appellate court. You're going to go straight to the top on this one because you get a bunch of podunk idiots there in New York City that have a political bias and clearly a political agenda. Letitia James is nothing but hugely political. We're going to get into all of that. Plus, oh, Joy Reid making kind of a, a choice comment. Get, Drew, can we give them a little preview of this? Because I'm telling you, this woman is off her rocker. The United States has a population of north of 327 million people. Why do oh, yeah. we need okay. more kids? We don't need any more kids. I- we don't need any more kids, according to this MSNBC host. I'm going to tell you just exactly what all of that is about. Plus, oh, poor Fannie Willis. It looks like she might actually get disbarred after all because she's got some really unethical stuff that has just come out thanks to uh, some phone tracking devices. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Trish. Good to be with you here on this Monday. We are brought to you, as always, in part by our friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's where you need to go if you're interested in diversifying your portfolio, which I know so many of you are in light of all this inflation we got going on. So diversification is critical. Gold is one way to do that. 1-866-589-0560. 1-866-589-0560. That is their phone number. You can call them directly. I promise they will will help you out. The appeal is official. I told you it would happen. It needed to happen. It's finally happening. Indeed, I'm looking at it right here, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump filing in the appellate court because this is insane. I mean, utterly, totally, absolutely, positively insane. I mean, you're talking about numbers here that frankly are vindictive that prove the political bias of this particular prosecutor and the two-bit judge that decided to, to come up with this massive amount. What was it? $355 million. But then you got to factor in everything else and all the interest. And before you know it, you're looking at a number that is north of 460-some-odd. I mean, this is $464 million. This is per the appellate court filing that they just made. It's absolutely insane, absolutely positively insane. And these are highly political individuals. Look, Donald Trump said it really well a while back. Uh, This is from a couple of weeks ago. I want you to take a look at him talking about how egregious this whole thing really is. I just want to say this. You build a great company, there was no fraud, the banks all got their money, 100%. They love Trump, they testified that Trump is great, great customer, one of our best customers, they testified beautifully, and the judge knows that, he's just a corrupt person. And we knew that from the beginning, we knew it right from the beginning, because he wouldn't give it to the commercial division. This judge thought Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million, and it's worth anywhere from 50 to a hundred times that amount. So we realized that. He ruled against me before he even got the case. He ruled against me. He said I was guilty. He didn't know what I was guilty of before he even got the case. And Letitia James, that's another case altogether. She's a horribly corrupt attorney general, and it's all having to do with election interference. There were no victims because the banks made a lot of money. They made a hundred million dollars. And by the way, I paid approximately $300 million in taxes 
as the migrants come in and they take over New York. I paid over this period of years over $300 million in taxes, and they want me out. Oh, let's see if we can get them out. These are radical left Democrats. They're lunatics, and it's election interfering. So I just want to thank you for being here. You know what? He's got a point there. He's talking about radical left Democrats. They definitely have a point of view, to say the least, ladies and gentlemen, a point of view that is pretty drastic, that is pretty political. And I think when it's all said and done, you know what? He's going to be able to go back and he's going to be able to prove, in fact, that this was election interference. Because when you're talking about fines like $355 million, let's go with it for a moment. Let's say, okay, you know what? He committed some kind of fraud because he should not have put the square footage as X when it was really Y. All right, let's just, let's give him that for a second. Does that justify $355 million in penalty? Absolutely, positively not. And that is where you get to actual election interference. Because, I'm sorry, but the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And the last I checked, you know, you kind of have to have those things add up. So you get this idiot judge who's like, woohoo, I got my moment in the sun, right? I've never been so famous. I've never been so popular. I've never gotten invited to so many little dinner parties, cocktail parties, because I am now a celebrity amongst these leftists. And then you got this Letitia woman who's just rabid, absolutely rabid, saying, I'm going to go seize this. I'm going to go seize that. She thinks she's Hugo Chavez the second. Let's watch her here on ABC News talking about how she's going to seize things like Trump Tower. Four days after a judge ordered Donald Trump to pay $355 million for a decade of fraud, New York Attorney General Letitia James says she's prepared to do everything she can to make sure the former president pays his fine, including, she told us, seizing the buildings that bear his name. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek, uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court, and we will ask the judge to seize his assets. Wow. Okay, Letitia, tell us how you really feel. So you have a rabid, rabid, politically ambitious prosecutor who's going to do everything her in her power to try and take this guy down. And when I talk about rabid and I talk about politically ambitious, I've played this for you guys before, but I want to play it again. And, you know, I'm going to keep on playing it because this proves the point. When he goes back and says this is election interference, He has every right to say that, every right, because this woman has made it extremely clear how she feels. I mean, this is disgusting talk coming from the mouth of Letitia James. He's called me venomous. We will fight back to your attempt to bring Trumpism to New York City. He's called me disgraceful. called me radical. Listen, we know he's crazy. We know he doesn't have a sound mind. We know he's out of control. We know he's losing it. We know his days are numbered and we will come together. He's called me a racist. We've got to stand up to an administration which is too male, too pale, and too stale. Too male, too pale, and too stale. 
You got to be kidding me. I mean, who, who the heck is this lady? How does she have a position like that? She's going after a former president of the United States, making us look like a laughing stock throughout the rest of the world. We really are no better at this point than any kind of banana republic. You know, I've told you, I've, I've done a lot of reporting on these banana republics, a lot. And we're, we look like Brazil, for goodness sakes, Lula, who wound up in jail, along with his vice president, Dilma Rousseff. She also wound up in jail. And now Lula comes out of jail and he's president again. I mean, how, do, how are we any different at this point when we have rabid prosecutors like that? That is not, not how this was set up to be. So it is critical that this thing makes a speedway for the appellate court. Like, like should have been there yesterday. We knew they were going to appeal, et cetera, but I'm just happy to see it's finally going through and they got to take this case and they got to take it fast. She has given him 30 days. I mean, there was some back and forth there. Was she even going to give him the 30 days? It's typical that you would. And she's trying to get her money now, right? Because she wants him to have to sell everything he possibly could sell because let's face it, nobody has 400 and what is the number? $464 million just hanging around in cash. I mean, listen, I mean, I don't care how wealthy you are. The reality is this. Your money's doing a lot more for you, even if it's just in a CD, for goodness sakes. Okay, so you don't just have that money hanging around in cash. That's not realistic to assume. So he has to somehow liquidate something in order to get this, or he's got to get some kind of bond to cover him. And the bond estimate, because you get a factor in interest, that's upwards of half a billion dollars. A half a billion dollars, this woman and this idiot judge who's just, I mean, do we have him smirking? Because this was the best, you know, he's smirking. He's so happy. Here he is in court. They're talking to him. Look at this. Look at this guy. Ah, mugging for the camera, mugging for the camera. He's so happy. He finally is getting somebody to pay attention to him. And he's coming out with an outrageous verdict. I mean, ultimately what really happens in my estimation is that this case is proven to be so highly politicized that the appellate court says enough already and throws it out or hits him with some very minor fine. Letitia James has proven how political she is and how vindictive she is, right? The court shouldn't be vindictive. I mean, she ought to take the high road. She got her way. And what is she doing over the weekend? Can we show these tweets? This Letitia James is out there tweeting this, and it's disgusting. $464 million, $576,230.62. And she keeps updating it each and every day, you see? Because she wants everybody to know there's more interest. It's plus 114000 So the next day, she sends out this. And then she keeps doing it and doing it. So, whoa, we're glad you can do math. That's a new one. Most Dems can't. Letitia James is actually hurting herself with tweets like this. She is proving, absolutely proving the vindictiveness of who she is and what she's trying to achieve, thereby lending, I would say, some opportunity to Donald Trump's lawyers. When they go to the appellate judge and they say, you know, this is kind of messed up because these people clearly have it out for him. This is not about protecting the citizens of New York. This is not about protecting shareholders at Deutsche Bank. This is about one thing only, and that's getting Trump. That's all this is, ladies and gentlemen. So think about that. We are living in a society right now where a prosecutor like her has been so emboldened 
and you have judges that have their political biases that have been so emboldened by the environment in which we now live that they are going to do crazy things like this to try and bankrupt someone so that they don't run for president. It's really pretty darn disgusting. And ultimately, I think, quasi-illegal. You are going to have the appellate court say, okay, enough already. But what kind of damage is done in the interim? And I think that's when you get back to election interference being something quite real. Because there's a lot of damage being done in this moment in time to him, to his stability, to his financial stability. He's got to now have, have some kind of likely lien that's going to be put on Trump Tower or Mar-a-Lago or any of these things because he's going to have to come up with the money, even if it's just to have some kind of bridge for 30 or 60 days. They're going to want collateral. And then the question becomes, oh, <laughs> Is this, is this collateral, right? Because Letitia can come out of the woodwork and say, no, you know what? I think Mar-a-Lago is worth $9 million now. I mean, who is she to decide, honestly, what Mar-a-Lago is worth or not worth? How do you like that? The next time you try and get a home equity line of credit on your house, you have to deal with the threat of some rabid political prosecutor saying, uh-uh, uh-uh. Your house is not worth $500,000. How dare you say it's worth $500,000? I think it's worth $450,000. Boom! Throw her in jail. Come on. It's disgusting. It really is. And you know who else is really disgusting and a disgusting human being at that? If what is alleged is in fact true, and I have a feeling it is, just say it. You know what? Uh, look. Innocent until proven guilty, but Fannie Willis has a few too many phone calls going back and forth between you and Nathan Wade down there in Fulton County, Georgia. Another one that's just aggressively targeting Donald Trump. And it seems that, um, well, this is uh, backfiring on her in a rather spectacular way because there are these phone records. You know, I was asking you guys the other day, I was like, okay, so how are they getting this? And you were smart. You were like, it's phone records, it's phone records, indeed. So I went and did a little due diligence. They got a lot of records, like thousands of calls that were being made between Fanny and Nathan, according to all of these records. And they've employed a private investigator who went and found all this stuff. And now they're trying to get it admitted into court. So all these phone records are there. And um, I'm sorry, but the, the last I checked, you're interviewing a guy for a job. You're not corresponding with him thousands of times and having him come over to your condo 35 times. So at issue here is just exactly when their relationship began. Because if she hired her boyfriend and then went on a bunch of cruises with the boyfriend that he seems to have paid for, well, then isn't he financially benefiting from her position, she literally handpicked somebody that she would then benefit from financially in the job, which would be corrupt, which would be something that she promised not to do. In fact, she's on tape. I played this for you the other day. She's actually on tape saying, you know, we need people who are not corrupt, who are not actually having relationships. Or I mean, she was much more crude about it um, with the people that are working for them, et cetera. It turns out, well, that. Maybe, allegedly, exactly what Fanny actually did. Unbelievable.
unbelievable. This is like riveting. That court case was insane. I'd never seen anything quite like it. So the private investigator has all this data. Private investigator hired by Trump showing what was really going on. And they had all these phone calls and all these visits. And yet Nathan Wade is like, no, 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 no. The relationship didn't start until after the fact. Watch him here. When did your romantic relationship with Miss Willis begin? 2022. When? In 2022. Early 2022. So you were appointed in November of 2021? Yes, ma'am. And your relationship started early. What's early? January? February? Around March. Around March. But you two met at an October 2019 um, judicial conference, correct? Yes, ma'am. That testimony directly contradicts earlier testimony from one of Willis's former good friends who said the relationship began well before Wade testified it did and predated his hearing by the DA. Um, you have no doubt that their romantic relationship was in effect from 2019 until the last time you spoke with her. No doubt. Did you observe them do things that are uh, common among people having a romantic relationship? Yes. Such as, can you give us an example? Hugging, kissing, this affection. All of I can't believe I'm having to play this for you guys. I mean, I really can't. <laughs> it's really, it's it's really weird when we're in a point. Where the woman who's going after Donald Trump down in Fulton County, Georgia, is so corrupt herself that she's out there allegedly hiring her boyfriend and she's got her friend testifying that they were pretty darn chummy. I mean, wow. Okay, wow. So now the question becomes, can this evidence be admissible in court? I should certainly hope so, because I think this pretty much proves that Fanny was up to no good. And by the way, why hasn't the judge ruled on this one? Because she should be off this case. I predict, assuming that we've got quality people here who are making quality, fair decisions, the judge would say, okay, you know what, Fanny, you really can't do this job because, well, you know, this doesn't really look good. And you have clearly some ethical lapses. And so as a result of this, Fanny, you're off the gig. And then the whole office dissolves. And guess what? They're right back at square one, which means that trial's going to get way postponed. This is not looking good. The appeal in New York, possible disbarment for Fannie Willis, and Jack Smith, well, he's got his own problems. And then you think about Colorado. Colorado has learned the hard way that, no, you can't just actually pick and choose who you want on the ballot, that, that the voters actually do have some say in all of these things. Look, this is an important time. We get a lot at stake. We get a lot at stake from a policy perspective. It's one of the reasons why I want to encourage you guys to go and check out my friends at Jobs Creators Network, joinjcn.com. That's where you need to go right now because these are people that care vehemently, strongly, passionately about all the issues that we're here talking about every single day. You look at inflation that's going on right now. You look at the challenge of hiring new workers that's going on right now for small business owners. Join JCN.com. You can join this network and they're going to help you troubleshoot all of these things. Not to mention they're out there trying to work on behalf of small business owners. 
so that we can make sure that we have maximum employment and people have this opportunity to grow in America economically. I mean, we need that right now. There's a lot at stake in this moment in time. And as we go into 2024, you want to make sure that you have it every single level of the government, not just the Oval Office. Obviously, that's incredibly important, right? That's going to set the tone for everything. But you want people who are committed at the state level, at the local level, to really making sure that we have the policies in place that are going to enable us to be successful, to be the meritocracy that we have always been. So much of that has been in question, and that's why the last four years have been, frankly, a total disaster. They don't need to be a disaster. Let's join groups like joinjcn.com. Let's let them help us to make the right decisions at the local, at the state, and at the federal level so that we can all hopefully grow this whole thing together, right? Anyway, joinjcn.com. Wonderful, wonderful group of people. Turning back to the news of day, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, lots of bad stuff out there. Lots of bad stuff out there. From Fannie Willis to Letitia James to this horrific judge, all of these people, I think, have shown their extraordinary biases. But, you know, you also get a question, why exactly the Republican Party can't get it together? Why can't the Republican Party pull it together? Why do you have Nikki Haley out there bashing Donald Trump at a time when, let's face it, Nikki Haley's not going to be the nominee, right? I, I don't know how... That one would ever happen at this particular point in time. She got trounced in her home state of South Carolina. She had a very poor showing with so many independents showing up to vote for her there in New Hampshire. Poor showing in Iowa as well. So she's going to take this all the way through and she's going to continue, it seems, to just bash and bash and bash the candidate who ultimately will be the nominee for the Republican Party. What is the point in that? I mean, why why can't we actually have a team that's looking out for the team? Nikki Haley losing a major, major funder over the weekend after the poor performance there in South Carolina. You had Americans for Prosperity say, you know what? It's time for us to cut bait here. This is a great organization, by the way, and they want good policies, especially when it comes to things like energy, so that you're not paying all this crazy inflation. And they had been donating to her campaign, and they just said, you know what? Enough is enough, because we actually need to rethink this. So while they say they still like her, let me read their statement to you. They said, you know, we still like her, but here's just the, the cold, harsh reality of where we are, ladies and gentlemen. We need to be thinking about our future and the policies and the people that get us there. They say, given the challenges in the primary states ahead, we don't believe any outside group can make a material difference to widen her path to victory. And so while we'll continue to endorse her, we're going to focus our resources on the places that we can make a difference. And that would be the U.S. Senate and the House. So if Donald Trump is at the top of the Republican Party then you need to think about who else is around him, right? And the reality is if he gets in and he doesn't have the Senate, he doesn't have the House, then he's not going to be able to accomplish much, right? So the focus now, and this is smart of them, is to say, okay, we're going to cut bait with Nikki and we're going to focus on these House races. We're going to focus on these Senate races that are ultimately going to provide the wind at the president's back should he win. 
And so I think that Nikki Haley just got a huge awakening. I don't know how she's getting more money, frankly. I mean, they were, they were a big donor. She's got some other big donors there. But at some point, the big donors have to be logical, as these guys are, and say, well, you know, we, we actually want to get policies through that will work. And the, the problem that you could be set up for, I can see it now, is if Donald Trump wins the presidency, and judging by all of the latest polls, right now it sure looks like he will. If Donald Trump wins, if you don't have the Senate, if you don't have the House, if he's got odds stacked against him there, then we just get mired down in all this you-know-what. There's a word for it. (laughs) And we don't want that. We want the opportunity to really try and make a difference through better tax policy, through better trade policy, through better border policy, and through better international policy. So it's critical that not just Donald Trump win, but that you actually are able to take so many of those Senate seats and that you're able to take House seats as well. So lots of momentum building right now. Part of, I suspect, taking those House and those Senate seats means big changes at the top, including, of course, at the Republican Party. Official today, Ronna McDaniel. I said it right. I always go for Ronna McDonald for some reason. Ronna McDaniel is out. She has just stepped down officially. She is being replaced by the guy I told you on day one, the day this all came out, would replace her, Michael Watley. And... um or forgive me, she is expected to be replaced. That's who Donald Trump is picking alongside Lara Trump, his daughter-in-law. And I'll get to tell you, Lara has been spot on. She's tackled a lot of topics that typically Republicans have shied away from, like the idea of mail-in voting and ballot harvesting. Look, it's legal. We may not like it, but you can't take a ball and just go home, right? You actually have to say, We're going to be in this game and we're in it to win it. So even though we don't like mail-in ballots and there's a lot of things that can happen, that has been well documented and explained. The point is two can play this game and two have to play. And so as a result, you need to be going out to every single Tom, Dick and Harry and Sally, Susan and whoever to make sure that they are voting and that those votes count. So, yes, absentee ballots. Let's do it. Bring it on. Lara is all about this. Lara's focused on this. And I think that if you pair her, and by the way, her tremendous public speaking skills and her tremendous sway and likability and all of those things with the organizational power, I don't know Michael, but hopefully he's tremendously organized, and you start getting that ground game going, you know what? All bets are off. I think that you actually are going to see a much bigger, bigger, bigger turnout for Donald Trump in November of 2024 than anybody is currently predicting. I've said this before. I mean, I go back to 16 and I was like, why is everybody counting them out? Like everywhere I go in the country, people would like lean over and whisper to me, hey, you know what? I really like your show. I really like Donald Trump, but they were afraid to say it. When you look at all the polling data right now, what do you see over and over again when it comes to issues like the economy, when it comes to issues like the border, when it comes to international issues? Everybody keeps saying that they prefer Donald Trump over Joe Biden. And then the big finale, dun dun dun, comes, hey, who are you going to vote for? And they all say, maybe Trump, right? Because you're only seeing a 5% spread difference there. 5% of voters are now saying he's plus 5 that they will vote for Donald Trump over, over Biden. I almost said Barack Obama. <laughs> Imagine, because it feels like, oh, wait, right? You've got a continuation of these Barack Obama policies. Um, but they're, they're all saying, I'm going to vote for Trump over 
Biden, but they're only saying it with a five-point spread. So again, compare and contrast with how they feel about the issues. You're seeing a 30-point difference on the border. You're seeing a 20-point difference on the economy. They're willing to say that to pollsters. When asked who is better on the economy definitively, they're coming out and saying Donald Trump. When they say, who are you going to vote for? Not so much are they saying Trump. So why is that? What is that about? It has to do with people still being afraid because you say you're for Trump and it's like, woof, off with her head. So this is important to keep in mind because Donald Trump tends to underperform in the polls. So if he's five points ahead now, what does that mean for November? It means that I suspect he'll be even further ahead. He'll be even further ahead And this is going to be even more devastating than the Democrats could have possibly imagined. I can't believe that they're running this guy. I can't believe that they haven't found Michelle Obama or Hillary Clinton or Gavin Newsom to take his place. But remember, he's 81. And he's an old 81. We saw some more clips over the weekend showing us just exactly how 81 he is. And I'm not an ageist. I don't even think it has entirely something to do with age. It has something to do, unfortunately, with his mental stamina, which is not what it once was, if it ever was. I mean, the guy's always been kind of not so, not so quick on, uh, on his feet, so to speak, literally and physically. I mean, mentally and then literally physically. If you watch him now walk, he's shuffling a little bit and he's forgetting, obviously, really, really important stuff. You have the bombshell out of her who said we can't even prosecute him for a crime that we believe that he did do in terms of keeping all those classified documents. We can't even move forward because the jury is only going to see him as frail, weak, old man, and nobody's going to convict him because he just forgets everything. This is alarming, ladies and gentlemen. I think ultimately in November comes, people go to the polls, and all those independents in the middle, they're sitting there going, hmm, it's the old man who can't make it because he may be suffering from dementia, which means I'm really voting for Kamala Harris. And let's face it, nobody likes Kamala Harris. Nobody. Or I go for Trump. So again, Trump wins that one. Da-da-da, check in his column. So the key for him right now is, one, he's got to win, and two, he's got to hope that all of these races around the country go in his direction as well. That's really important, because it's one thing to get the seat, But then you need to make sure that you get the momentum of Congress behind you so that you can make real changes and you can get real things through. I want to share with you a funny clip from MSNBC's uh, Joy Reid. This woman, is is, is, she's like just, you know, the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, we we conservatives sort of laugh at her. I, I think it's worth seeing because you need to know their mentality and exactly how they think. But she went on and did this little impromptu thing to her phone because she's so upset that the Republican Party and Donald Trump is apparently okay with IVF. I mean, it gets really convoluted and kind of confusing because you you would think that she would be okay with this, right? (laughs) Except that if Donald Trump's okay with it, then she can't be okay with it. So suddenly now she doesn't want anybody having babies. No, we don't need any more babies. We have maximum capacity population. I mean, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. By the way, you, you talk to any economist, and our biggest weakness is that we don't have enough in terms of population. She wants to grow the population with migrants coming in that are committing crimes. I think of the horrific situation that just happened down in Georgia. 
That's not the way you want to grow your population, okay, lady? You want to actually have babies with, with people that want to have babies that can provide for those babies to ensure that those babies have a prosperous future and are contributing members of society. But, oh, no, apparently not. Here's Joy Reid. you got to hear this. The United States has a population of north of 327 million people. Why do we need more kids? I mean, your party, Senator Tuberville, is the one screaming that 10 million immigrants, which I don't even know that that number even makes any sense because it doesn't, um, have streamed into the country since Joe Biden has been president. And you're claiming that that's too many people, that if more people come into the southern border, this is some sort of crisis because we, we've got too many people and we've got no more space and we can't afford more people. But now you're saying we need more kids. Can you explain who's the we and what's the purpose? You're also a senator from the state of Alabama. God help the people there. Are you saying the state of Alabama needs more kids? Why does the state of Alabama need more kids? More kids for what? There was a time when the state of Alabama absolutely needed more kids because, you know, Alabama was a slave state. And the mandate of the planter class in Alabama was for black women to produce more kids because those kids were property and they could work more kids and make more money on their plantations. Are you saying the state of Alabama needs more kids because you think that those populations will include people who are maybe destitute and desperate enough if you kick out the immigrants like a lot of y'all want to do and you could make them do the work that the migrants are doing now? Because that kind of sounds slavery-ish. Is the state of Alabama the we? And is, is, is that the why? I mean, you're also a white guy. Are you saying the we is white folks need more kids? Is this like a great replacement thing where you're concerned that there's not enough white people in the population versus the growth of the Latino population, the black population, the Asian American population? And so the we is white people need to make white women have more kids. And that's the we and that's the why, because it's a little creepy, a little handmade. No, I'm sorry, lady. You're a little creepy, really creepy. I mean, she's just all over the place there. And now she's talking about slavery and race and somehow being okay with IVF is really about some kind of Aryan dream. You knew they would go there, right? I mean, this was insane to me. In fact, as this issue came up, I said to someone, I said, just watch Donald Trump. He's like, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because if he says, you know what, I, I, if he doubles down on sort of every embryos of life and therefore they must all be protected, et cetera, and therefore we must get rid of IVF, well, then they were going to jump all over him. You know that, right? They would jump all over him. Oh, you're not for women's reproductive rights, et cetera. But then he came out and he, he did like a little fast one on them. He, he actually came out and said, I'm for this. And I'm for this because I want to make sure that people that want to have children that otherwise couldn't, are able to do so. We want more healthy children with parents that can take care of them in the world. And so as soon as he said that, I'm like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Just cue it up, right? They're all going to go bonkers and they're going to say that this is somehow, you know, him as, as some kind of nut job who wants to encourage white people to have kids over any other. I mean, and no sooner did I say this, and the view 
sure enough, came out with this little number, Sonny Austin, trying to say, well, kind of exactly what Joy Reid was saying. I mean, these people are just unbelievable, 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 unbelievable. Watch it. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but on the one hand, they, they want you to not have an abortion. Then they also don't want you to have more children. Make up your minds, whatever, whatever that means. I, I actually think they do want you to have more children, and they're just not saying the quiet part out loud. Which is? Right. Uh, which is multicultural Americans are going to become the majority population by 2050. Uh, by 2050, the Hispanic, Hispanic Americans are expected to have the most population growth, an increase of about 6%, while the white population is expected to decrease by about 11%. At this time, the birth rate for white Americans in this country has been falling since the Great Recession, and it's dropped almost 23% between 2007 and 2022. So, but wouldn't more the, white women be getting the IVF? Um, so that well, increases that's, that's that they why want. they yeah. want IVF, but they can't say uh, yes. An, emb an embryo. They, 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 they're they're coming out sort of against it and not being able to explain why. They want to have more American white children born because the birth rate has gone down. Okay, so I don't see this. I don't see this as a race issue. What I see is until it affects them, they don't care. Yeah. So the most disenfranchised among us, the poorest among us, need to be able to family plan. We need women's health. We need the uh, the. Planned Parenthoods, we need all of these things. As we shut it down and keep closing the gap as to how far back we'll roll it, the people it hurts the most are the poorest, the have-nots. So when it hits the haves in the face because all their wives want to go have babies, that's when they make change. And guess what they're doing today? They're taking it back to make change. That's not a race thing. That's a money well, thing. No, but it's and race and it's no, also no, no. about the queer Lady, community it's a because race who thing. uses IVF? Sonny will tell you. The LGBTQ community also uses IVS and surrogacy. But I, and they don't want that. But I want to make That's sure. That's the quiet part. They're going to make this a race thing. This is absolutely they're what they're going to do, okay? Like, I, I said it before it even happened. It's sad that this is immediately where they go, but this is identity politics at its worst. And this is what Barack Obama practiced and Joe Biden is trying to put into play. That's his only way of winning. I actually think the scariest thing for the left right now is that they're losing so many black Americans and you see it in the polls. And I have a, I have a feeling when it comes to the choice for the vice presidency of the United States, Donald Trump is going to throw them a curveball, and it's going to help recruit more members of minority populations in America. More on that in a second, but first, a quick word from one of our great sponsors. I, I appreciate compliments. Thank you so much. You guys have all been saying, Trish, you look great. So I thank you for that, and uh, I feel great. You know, I really do. I, I feel absolutely great. I think one of the reasons I do feel so great is that a couple months ago, I started taking Balance of Nature, their veggie and fruits capsules. I mean, fruits and veggies, I should say. I like veggies more than fruits, so it's <laughs> like a Freudian slip. But anyway, I started taking balance of nature's fruit and veggies capsules. And it's really, I think it's made a difference. A amazing story, by the way, with this company, truly, truly amazing story. It was developed by Dr. Douglas Howard. You can read all about it on their website. 
and they have had so many success stories, thousands of success stories. People write in every single month talking about how much better they feel with the fruits and veggies capsules. So I encourage you to go check out their website. I really do. I encourage you to take a look and to consider actually doing this yourself. Of course, you have to use a discount code because I'm going to get you 35% off. You know, I'm a sucker for a deal. Anyway, um, Go over there, check it out. You can call them as well, 1-800-246-8751, 1-800-246-8751. Go look at their website. Again, balanceofnature.com. You'll get the 35% off. And I'm telling you, this is it's the, the fruits and veggies that you want. At least that's what I've been taking. And I, I really do think it's made a difference. I mean, if you're looking for something that's natural, that, by the way, is gluten-free. Gluten-free is a big thing in my family that's non-GMO, that contains no sugars, no synthetics. This is the answer. Balance of nature. Discode Trish. Okay, discount code Trish to make sure you get the 35% off 1-800-246-8751. But Vice President of the United States of America on the GOP ticket. Who are we thinking? Who are we thinking? Who are we thinking? My latest thesis, and I'm entitled to change my thesis, right? From time to time. Originally, I was like, okay, he needs a woman. He needs a woman. And now I'm like, no. You know, I mean, look. We're fine with whoever he goes with. I mean, he's said this before himself. Look, it's not the be-all, end-all, and that realistically, people are voting for him. They're not voting for the vice president. In Joe Biden's case, you're literally voting for the vice president. Remember that. You're voting for Kamala Harris. You're not voting Harris. You're not voting for Joe Biden because Joe Biden, in all seriousness, I mean, we don't even know if he's going to make it to November 24, let alone pass that. But in the case of Donald Trump, you are voting for somebody who... I think compliments him, but is not the be all end all in terms of the candidate. So I say that I preface this by saying, I think we're going to be totally fine. It's a very deep bench. I love all of these people that they're talking about, but as we consider how it's getting whittled down while I first thought, okay, you know, you go with a woman, you try and you try and basically bridge that gap with gender because a lot of women are not as fond of Donald Trump, say, as men are. So you go with a woman and you try and hope that you can kind of appease some of them. But I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that actually, I think women are pretty tough on women. And, you know, then it's like, oh, is she to this? Is she to that? Is she to this? Is she... So maybe the answer is forget about a woman for the vice presidential spot. I mean, you could put a woman in as treasury secretary. You could put a woman in as head of commerce. You could put a woman in, um, you know, as, well, as, as we've seen before, for Mayorkas's role, right? Like head of Homeland Security. There's a lot of different positions for women. But in terms of electability, if you could somehow close this gap with minorities, Joe Biden is going to make a really big push. He wants minorities. He's got... Barack Obama in his ear saying, this is how you win. Well, what if the answer is not actually necessarily women per se, but actually picking a minority man who would help bring in more women because, you know, so long as he loves his wife and he loves his mom, I think a lot of women would find that very appealing while simultaneously showing a different path forward for a lot of minority men in America. And that actually could be something that's different, that's innovative, and has a lot of appeal. I mean, Tim Scott has certainly been talked about a lot in South Carolina. He just recently got engaged. He was part of the the reason why the president saw success in South Carolina. 
and it's going to be a state that the president needs to win going forward, considering that it was like 60-40 with a lot of Republicans still coming out for Haley. I think it's an important data point and tells him he can't slack in South Carolina. He's going to have to work hard, which puts Tim Scott up front there. You've heard lots of talk about Ben Carson. The Trump family I know likes Ben Carson very, very, very much. Dr. Carson, tremendous, tremendous person, obviously quite brilliant and a big supporter, very loyal to Trump for many, many years. So Dr. Carson's in the running. And then the guy that, you know, is a little bit new on the scene that at one point they were talking about potentially as Speaker of the House, that would be Byron Donald. So that's another person to potentially look at out of California. And I know, Don, I know you've got your reservations about two people out of Florida, and that could be real. We have to look at the math there. But my thesis holds. My thesis is that maybe the answer here is really finding somebody that can help cement some of this minority sort of momentum. Because right now, the former president is, is, is doing really well. I mean, Biden is down 20 points, down 20 points. Can you believe that with minorities? I mean, this is a group that he should just kind of have locked up, and yet he does not. So I sense vulnerability there. And if I'm the Trump campaign, I'm playing to that vulnerability for all it is worth. And I'm going to try really hard to bring in some of those. What, what do you guys think, right? I mean, give me some more ideas because we talk about this every single day and we're going we're gonna to be doing our best, right, to make sure that we are able to communicate with uh, lots and lots of people, including those on the inside. And, and I have my sources. But this is a message that I think should be delivered loud and clear, that there's an opportunity here and we got to run some numbers but start looking at somebody who can help bridge this gap with minorities because it's happening on its own. And I think there's more to be done. Anyway, great to see you all. I really, it's, it's really great. Mike, good to have you here again. So many people have joined the team. Our Reganites here at the team, team Trish. Thank you for doing that over on YouTube. We are live every day now on YouTube. Look at this guys. We're like 210,000. Can you believe that? I mean, this is all, this is no advertising, nothing. This is just organic, pure organic growth. So clearly we're catching on. Keep sharing it. Keep giving it thumbs up, all that good stuff. We're live on Facebook too. So thank you to everyone for being here Monday through Friday live. We got a lot of stuff we got to keep discussing. Do we not? Send me a note below. I read everything. Even if I don't respond to you, I read it all and we'll talk tomorrow.